Ivy? Are we dismissing the youth? Okay, okay. <laughs> if you are a student, you are dismissed. Uh, the, the older students go out that door, uh, that way. But um, anyway, welcome. Glad y'all are here today. Bless you for being here. Um, really, the founder of this feast, uh, spiritually this morning, is uh, my, where's Doug? Back here. Doug sent me a, a, I don't even know what it was you sent me, but you sent me something. Uh, link. Thank you. He sent me a link the other day, and uh, the, the, the gist of the, of the article, the link, was how should we respond as Christians to what's going on right now in the world? And it was very intriguing and very challenging for me to read that, um, and it really got me to thinking, and um, where my mind went was if you believe that God is sovereign and while that is in my opinion one of the three most important theological doctrines that any Christian can believe it is probably the least believed doctrine in the church. Most, I, 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 there are Christians that believe that God is sovereign. I don't know many of them. I don't talk to many of them. I'm not around many of them. But if you actually believe that God is sovereign, that He is in control of what is going on, and that's what that means, the, word, the idea of the word sovereign uh, or the sovereignty of God is not in the Bible. There's that, that word, that idea. I mean, the idea is there. The, the term is not in the Bible. Um, but if you actually believe that God is sovereign uh, and the, the, to the point that He is actually in control of all that exists all that, and all that occurs, then really... To me, the question that we should ask ourselves is, what is God doing in this crisis? What, what's, what is God up to? For us to ask that question and then to intentionally seek to discover what it is that God is up to and discover what that is and then respond to that, to respond to, respond to what we believe that God is up to. I think that is a, a very wise thing to do. I think it's the, the right thing to do. And just to give you a, a I'm going to give you some very practical uh, uh, responses to that question. What is God up to? But I'll just in my own personal life, I think the, the big answer, the big picture answer to that question is, is I need to respond in faith rather than in fear. God is never involved in anything that would lead us to be afraid. 
That's not, that's God is, if you're wondering what God is the opposite of, you can say, well, what about war and what about death and what about um, sickness and what about poverty? Those are very interesting questions that have a wide variety of responses and answers to. Now, depending upon if you listen to the preachers on TV, they'll tell you all of those things. God's not involved in any of those. Well, it, it, you deserve what you get if you listen to them. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But I can tell you dogmatically that God's proclamation from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible related to fear is he says, don't do it. Do not fear. Or uh, let me turn it around and say it the way King Jimmy would say it. Fear not. Fear not. Do not fear. And, um, you know, in the midst of all that's going on with this virus and in the midst of all that's going on with the stock market and the nations, uh, um, you know, we have to come to a point where we either believe that God loves us and He is at work in our lives and committed to our good and that He is in control of what's going on. He's not just managing it. He is in control of it. Or you're going to have to believe that He's not. That He, he doesn't really love us. He's not at work in our lives. And that He is not in control of what's going on. And, you know, I asked myself the question, if my faith in God is only real and strong when times are good, then what kind of faith do I have? If my faith in God is only, you know, every time I go into Vegas uh, um, casinos, and I pull that lever, lever, which I've never done, but if I, if I ever, you know, if every time I pull that lever, um, uh, uh, I don't even know what comes out, quarters or half dollars or, or whatever comes shooting out of there, uh, uh, if, unless that happens every time I pull that lever, what kind of faith do I have? Uh, and I think that's an important question. Uh, God says in Isaiah 41, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, and I will help thee, and I will uphold thee with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those that are incensed or angry with thee, they shall be ashamed and confounded, and the attacks of your enemies will become as nothing. That promise of God, that declaration of God, either is true or it's not. And it's either true, everybody believes that's true. Everybody believed that was true in 2019. Nobody was sick. Stock market was up. I did, I'm not really a follower of the stock market, but it was shooting up, is what I heard. And I was happy that it was. I was happy as heck that it was. But nobody has a problem believing that God was good and strong and sovereign 
and involved in the details of our lives during the abundance and the prosperity and the health of 2019. Well, if the Bible is correct that God never changes, then is he not also good and involved in our lives and sovereign in the the challenges and the difficulties of 2020. My question is, do I let small double stances of my world, small W and big W, do I let the circumstances of my world drive my theology what I believe about God? Or do I let my theology, what I believe about God, drive how I see and respond to the world? Either God is in control and loves me and is involved in my life, or He's not. And that's the real question that I think we ought to ask ourselves in times like this. You know, in, in, a, in times like this, in times of difficulty and darkness, um, those are times that I believe God wants us to stop and ponder and evaluate not only our world, but also our own lives. What's really going on in my life? And um, I don't, I personally, because I do believe in the sovereignty of God, um, uh, as much as I know how, I pray often that God will help me believe in it even more. Um, I find it, I find it significant. That this is taking place during the 40 days of Lent. If Lent is a time that was established by the church for 2,000 years, basically. The church has established these 40 days to be a time to stop, slow down, step back, and ponder, evaluate, consider, um, if that's true, what might God be up to? I mean, in my life and in your life, what is God trying to say to you? What is God trying to reveal to you? What is God trying to say and reveal to me? And uh, I, uh, this this article that or uh, this link that that Doug sent to me. It gave some really, um, I thought, some very good things for me to consider that God might be saying to me. And I thought maybe I, I had my, you're going to hear what I had prepared next week uh, if you come. But uh, I had my lesson already, and then dang, if you didn't send that to me on Friday, and I said, well, heck, because it was just so good. And I thought, this is a good thing to, to think about. And so I want to I share with you these, I've added... <laughs> Oh, some things, but anyway, I want to share these with you and just just to get us thinking. If this is if Lent is a time 
to stop and ponder and evaluate the, the love of God, the activity of God, the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, then how, God, how might God want me to evaluate and ponder and reflect on what is happening in our world? What might God be trying to, re, to remind us of through all this that's going on? Or what might God be trying to reveal to us through all that's going on this crisis? So let me give them to you real quick. Possibly, number one, could God be possibly trying to remind us of how fragile mankind is? Could God be trying to remind us of how fragile, how weak, how dependent humanity really is. If my numbers are right, and if they're not, I'm wrong and you're right, okay? But if my numbers are right, as of this morning, there are 165 thousand cases of this virus in the world and there have been 6,500 deaths and this disease has spread to 160 lands my question is we're, we're going to get through this right I mean we're going to this nobody's nobody's wondering if the human race is going to survive this even the, the most fierce naysayers and nabobs and, uh, you know, faithless people. No one thinks that. But what if the next virus, and there will be another one, unless Jesus comes back. What if the next virus was ten times more contagious and powerful? What if the next virus was a hundred times more contagious and powerful? What if the next virus was a thousand times more contagious and powerful? And it, don't say it, that's not possible. Last week, a year ago, last week wasn't possible. Right? Last March... Last week wasn't possible in anybody's mind. So don't say, oh no, that couldn't happen. That's not, oh no. And my point is just to say that we as a race are incredibly weak and frail and uh, we can pretend that we're not. We can deny that we're not. But at the end of the day, we are. Psalm 103 says that people are like grass growing in a field. And the wind blows over that field. And that grass is gone and it is forgotten 
James 4 says, Your light is like a mist or a vapor that appears briefly and then it vanishes. Could God be using, orchestrating, controlling this worldwide crisis? To be reminding us that we ought to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. That's Psalm 90 in case you were wondering. That wise people consider The, the gift and the preciousness and the fragility is that the right word? Okay. And the fragility of each day that we are given and we are not guaranteed another one. Wise people ponder that. Number two, could God be reminding us through this crisis of the equality of mankind? National is not a respecter of national boundaries or borders or ethnic boundaries. Or borders. It does not care uh, who you are. This is not a Chinese virus. Oh, they're having problems in China. But that virus didn't stop at the border of China, did it? Or the border of Europe. Or any other random border. This is not this virus is not a respecter of persons. It's a human virus. And it's already in 160 nations. And that number of nations is growing every day. Gender, skin color, language, culture, education, wealth, and intelligence do not matter to this virus. We see differences. You're smart. You're not. You're pretty, you're not. You're rich, and you're not. You're a man, you're not. This virus does not give a flying flip. Doesn't care a bit. We emphasize the differences, but this virus sees us all the same. And maybe, or could it be, could it be that God is trying to remind us that we are a lot more similar and equal than we are dissimilar and unequal. And that at least we are united and equal in our pain, in our struggles and battles, and in our fears.
could that be something that God's trying to speak to us and speak to the world through this crisis? Number three, could God be trying to remind us of our absolute lack of control? We love to think that we're in control of our lives and I'm the king of the ship. I'm the king of the castle and the captain of the ship. I love being in control. I get up at the same time every day. I go through the same basic uh, deal throughout my day. My wife's been home all week on spring break. And uh, uh, she, she goes, she'll say, hey, listen. I'll go, no, 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 we can't do that. Not right now. We can do that later on, but we can't do that right now because there's, there's what, here's what we do during the day. Uh, she'll say, well, let's turn on the TV. And I go, no, you don't watch TV during the day that you work during the day. Nobody watches TV during the day. That's not right. And uh, she just shakes her head. But, I, but that's, we're not watching TV during the day. That, that, that dog won't hunt. And uh, so anyway, uh, we loved it. We loved it. We worked during the day. You watch TV at night. That's the way that works. Um, we're not goofballs. But uh, um, uh, we, we loved to pretend and create the illusion that we are in control of our lives. That we are somehow the captains of our destiny. And this virus, if it hadn't said anything to us, it's screaming. God is screaming through this virus. You might want to step back and reconsider that. We live in a world where we are in control of so much. You can pay your bills at a stoplight. You can turn your air conditioner on or your furnace on or off on the top of Mount Everest. You can, to, to a large degree, control your health because of advancements and, and, and all the things that go along with, with, with health. Um, we can travel like never before. Uh, we can communicate like in ways that were, were, were on the Jetsons a hundred years ago. We are in control of so much of our lives. But if this virus has not done anything, it is a tool of God, I believe, that's trying to remind us that this, this control that we think we have, it's an illusion, it's a bubble. And this virus is a big fat pin that has popped that bubble. The most advanced, sophisticated, powerful nations on earth are scrambling, trying to keep up with what to do next. They don't know. They don't know what to do. They're not in control. They pretend they are, but they're not. And you and I, we're just as bad, armed with our soap and our hand sanitizer and our mask and our gloves. We, I can manage this and I can protect my family and I can take care of this. Maybe God wants us just to admit, wow, I'm not as in control as I once thought. 
Maybe one of the things God's trying to say to us is, why don't you uh, stick real close to the one who is in control? Won't you, won't you stay real close to me? Get to know me. Walk with me. Focus on what I'm focused on. Because if you stay close to the pilot, you'll get where the airplane's going, right? Number four. Shirley's been telling me all these stories about what's been going on because of this virus in the world and how people, uh, I hope it's okay for me to say this, but that they've had a real problem in parts of the world uh, of people being very unkind to Chinese people for causing this virus. You think the fellow that runs the the store down the road or has the shop over on the corner, somehow he's responsible for, the, for this, this global pandemic. And yet that people have been very terrible. Uh, if I'm understanding you right, uh, looking down on people and holding them responsible for that which they had nothing to do with. Um, it just made me think about how, uh, you know, you're in a restaurant and somebody coughs. You're on an airplane. We can immediately uh, at work and how we can immediately judge and draw conclusions and slap labels on people. And we have no basis, no information. We're not medical, maybe a few of you are, but most of us in this room, we're not medical people. We don't know, and yet we will instantly draw conclusions. Uh, and we don't, we don't want, uh, turn it around. What if it was you who coughed and everybody at work looked at you like, well, you know, you know step, stepping away from you. We wouldn't like that. We wouldn't like people drawing conclusions about us and judging us and labeling us and excluding us and isolating themselves from us because of perceived issues or problems. We wouldn't like it one bit. Maybe God's saying, you know what? I don't like it either. And I don't like it happening to anybody. And yet, we live in a world that draws conclusions and slaps labels without any basis, without any information, without any true knowledge. Jesus came into the world, and if he did anything, he looked into the face of lepers and Samaritans and tax collectors and Roman soldiers, all of which were alienated and excluded and labeled and judged. And he said, you are welcome. You are loved. You are valuable. You're included. 
That's who Jesus is. He is a person that draws in, not pushes away. And maybe God is using this, this crisis to just remind us that we, number five, could God be saying through this crisis, Larry, George, Derek, Colin, Kiki, is your faith in some vague general theoretical ethereal spiritual idea or is your faith in a real live personal God where's your faith Larry is it in some, the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity, the God of religion? Or is your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of Mary, who was born in Bethlehem and really lived 33 years and died and rose again. Is my faith in a real, personal God versus some general um, uh, idea? My favorite chapter in the entire Bible is Psalms 37. I quote it almost every day to myself and I pray it over you. Most, almost every day. And um, David wrote that psalm during one of the, if not the most dark, tumultuous, painful uh, moments in his life. And he cries out to God. And basically I'm summarizing, but he says, God, Man, things are bad. Where are you? you? You've told me I'm special and chosen and loved. And, uh, and I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the love. Where are you? I need some help. And God responds in Psalm 37. And speaks into David's life. And he says, David, fear not. Don't fear. Instead, trust in me. Delight in me. Commit your way unto me. Be still before me. Wait upon me. What's the common word in all of those instructions of God? Me. Me. I'm, I'm what makes the trusting and the delighting, and the committing, and the being stilling, and the waiting, important, and work. It's the me part of it. Not trust in whatever you think is good. Delight in whatever delights you. 
Commit your way unto whatever you think's the best road. Be still and meditate on a dewdrop or a coconut or a whatever, whatever it is you meditate on. No. No, God says, it's me. Me. I'm, I'm a real person. I'm a real person and I've really committed my personhood to you. And I love you more than any other person has ever loved you or ever will. And I am more involved in your life than any person on this planet has ever been or ever will. And is my faith in that real person? Is God my shepherd, my rock, my refuge, my defender, my protector, my provider, my healer, my father, my sovereign king? Is God through this pandemic, this upheaval in our world, is He wanting us to ask the question, where is your faith, Larry? Do you have faith? And where is that faith? And is that faith in me? Number six, could God be through this pandemic? This crisis is check of what in our lives is chaff and what in our lives is wheat. What in our lives is vanity and what in our lives matters. Thought about that, remember that event that happened in Jesus' life? This just literally just, it's about to happen uh, 2,000 years ago, but where Jesus is walking down the road with his disciples and he comes up to a fig tree and he's hungry. The creator of the universe is hungry. How, how funny is that? But he's hungry. And he, this tree is full of leaves and what that was a sign of normally is that it was full of figs. Where there's lots of leaves, there were supposed to be lots of figs. And he goes up to this fig tree Wanting to get a fig because he's hungry. And there weren't any figs. All there were were leaves. Maybe just think of my own life. Woo! I am full up on leaves. Man, I got leaves coming out the wazoo. How much fruit? What, what's, what's real in my life? What's lasting in my life? What matters in my life? I got an abundance of stuff. My in-laws, my precious in-laws, they're going to have a big, huge um, estate sale next weekend. And they got, and it's, I'm, it's beautiful stuff, no, no offense, but they have a world of stuff. That at one time, if you'd have broken it, or scratched it, or dropped it, it'd have been, I mean, they would have been gracious, I don't mean that, but it would have been, they'd been sad. Do you know my father-in-law and my mother-in-law don't give a flying flip about one thing in that house? I've heard my mother-in-law say once, I've heard her say it 20 times, get rid of it. Get, leaves. 
And this isn't dollar general stuff. I mean, this is real stuff. I mean, this is shown up stuff. But get rid of it. And I, I just have to ask myself, is God saying to us through this crisis, what in your life matters? What in your life's real? What in your life's going to last? Solomon said, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities. Everything in this world is vanity. It's so easy, starting with me, to, get, to forget that. That my busyness and my productivity and my possessions... 99% of it's not going to last. It's not going to matter. The stuff that I'm normally stressed out about, mad about, upset about, focused on, it's not going to matter. That's why Jesus said, and I think it's Mark 11, what does, it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Maybe God's trying to challenge us in what doesn't matter and make a distinction between what matters and what doesn't matter. Number seven, and I'm, I, I'd give anything. I'd, I, literally, I'd give, I wouldn't give you anything, but I'd, I'd give you most of the stuff that I value, if you'd listen to me for just a second. Could God, through this pandemic, be trying to declare to us, to you, to me, to our world? You know, there's a more serious viral pandemic that hadn't afflicted 1% of the world 5% of the world, 20% of the world, 50% of the world. But it's afflicted every person that has ever lived. Afflicted all the bad characters on death row. And it's afflicted your two precious little children. And my precious little grandson. The Bible declares that Jesus came into a world that was afflicted with a virus that it calls sin. And every one of us have it. None of us are immune. And it will ultimately kill us. Not only kill us, but destroy us. That's what the, You can say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's fine in Jim Dandy, but that's not what... A blind man can read the Bible and know that's what, what the Bible says. And so my question is, if I ask you, what is your plan, Jerry? What is your plan, David, to address this coronavirus? Well, I can tell you right now, I'm going to put my trust in hand sanitizer. And I'm going to do my, what, what do you call it, the space thing? The social, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm implementing social distance. And I'm not going to go to places 
of, of large crowds and I'm trusting in the United States government and I'm trusting in the scientific community. has got a plan to, to deal with this, this virus. What is your plan to deal with a, a much more uh, fierce and fatal virus? What, what, are you, what is your plan to address that? Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me will live, even though they die. And whoever believes in me will ultimately never die. Have you put your trust in God's solution for the ultimate virus? Well, I'm going to get in. I, my dad, when I was about, what, 40? When did my dad become Christian? About the time I was 35 or 40, my dad put his trust, his personal trust in Jesus Christ to address this virus that I'm talking about. But from the time I was old enough to, remit, to, heat, to understand and remember, Till that day when I was about 35 or 40. If my dad said it once, my dad said it 10,000 times. Anytime there was more than, anytime there was a new person around. <laughs> yep, I'm going to get into heaven because I'm going to hold on to Sally's uh, skirt. And uh, when she gets in, I'm going to get in with her. Didn't he say that all the time? I'm so thankful there came a day when my dad realized that is a bad plan because it doesn't work. There is somebody, whether you call it a skirt or a robe, there is a, a garment that I can hold on to and get in the door. But it's not my wife's garment. I cannot get in. She can get in uh, by what she does with God's solution, but I can't. I can't get in on her deal. And I just would beg you, if that's your plan, to think you can get in because of your relationship with other human beings, you can't. Maybe God's orchestrating this virus and using this virus to make us reconsider what is my plan in the next life. And then lastly, I believe with all of my heart that part of what God's wanting us to consider and reevaluate is His promise that if His people will call upon Him, He will hear and respond. I believe if this, if if God is saying anything to us, He is saying. Church, what you doing? Where, 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 where are you at? Everybody's hunkered down. Everybody's uh, uh, digging uh, uh, box holes, bar putting up barricades, fighting over a bottle of hand sanitizer or some toilet paper at the grocery store. 
What are you doing, church? What are you doing? C3. What's your contribution to the solutions of this crisis in our world today? Most people in the world are afraid. Many people in the world are complaining. But I believe God's asking, how many of you are going to intercede? How many of you are going to intercede? Because if you will cry out to me, call upon me, I will hear and I will respond. Isaiah 59 says, Surely God's arm isn't short, uh, too short to save. And surely God's ear is not too deaf to hear. Jeremiah 29 says, Call unto me and I will answer you. If you will seek me, you will find me. And when you, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And when you do, you will find me. Jeremiah 33 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. And 1 Peter 3 says, The Lord watches over those who do right and he listens. I just wanted us to, to end today by praying. I can't fix everything going on you can't either but I can tell my dad about, about what's going on and, and, and my Bible says that he can do something about it and people are nervous people are afraid people are anxious people are worried people are accusing uh, and blaming and they're realizing their little pitiful, puny attempts at protecting themselves and those that they love. Best case scenario are limited attempts. Best case scenario. And oh, that our neighbors and our mates and our children and our coworkers. saw us responding to this continually in prayer and challenging them to pray. There are people that are more open to the gospel because of this pandemic than have ever been in their lives. Are we are we aware of that and are we pointing people to, to the real hope and solution of their life and of our world okay I just want us real quickly before we take the Lord's service uh, or even to gather in groups uh, I'm going to respect your personal space and all that um, that deal but um, I just wanted us to pray for just a minute and so if you would I'm going to give you some things to pray about and I'm going to give you a few seconds um, to pray about it in your own way. You don't have to pray. I, I mean, you can pray out loud if you want to, but I'm not asking you to pray out loud. I'm just asking you to talk to the one who can do something about this. Any moron can complain. Any idiot can be afraid. But it's only the children of God that can intercede. Hmm.
And so um, let's pray real quickly, okay? Um, first of all, I just want to give us an opportunity to pray for not only our government and our leaders, but the governments and the leaders of countries around the world. So take a minute, pray for the leadership of our country and of other countries. People's lives are at stake. Um, pray that God will give them courage and wisdom and good counsel and that they will be honest and will do the right things. So pray for them real quickly. Pray for the medical people, doctors, nurses um, that are caring for the sick. Pray that they'll have strength and skill, endurance and wisdom and skill. Pray for the research scientists that are trying to discover a cure for this deal. Pray for the sick and the, especially the elderly. Pray for the, the people who are being adversely and negatively affected because of the loss of jobs, children that are not going to be able to eat well because they can't go to school. Companies that are going to go broke Families that are going to go bankrupt and in horrible debt. <clears throat> Pray for God to have mercy on us, to be our help and our healer, our protector, our provider, and our strength. And if you dare, pray that God will put you uh, around some people that need to hear that you are real and that you are alive and that you are at work and in control and that you love them. Lord Jesus, we want to end today 
by casting our cares upon you. We call out to you because we believe you love us. How could you not love somebody that you would sacrifice your own son for? We ask you for help because we believe that you are involved in the most intimate details of our lives. How could you not be? You left heaven to hang out with the most undesirable of creatures. And you did it joyfully. And you delighted in them. And you hadn't changed your mind one bit. Please have mercy on us and help us. Now we're going to eat bread, God, which represents the body of your precious Son. And we're going to drink wine, which represents His blood that He shed on the cross. We do that just to declare to ourselves and to each other, we believe. And we're thankful. Amen. I'm just going to invite you to come up. We tried to spread it out a little bit so that you can be a little more safe. So when you're ready, you just come if you'd like to and eat and drink and remember and give thanks. There'll be people over on by that window with the lovely dumpster and there'll be people over by this other window who would love to pray for you if, if you would like prayer today.